I'm Naomi Lee, Senior Executive Editor at The Lancet. Today I'm joined by Professor Ari Kumarasamy, Professor at the University of Birmingham and Director of the Tommies National Centre for Miscarriage Research, and Professor Siobhan Quenby, Professor at the University of Warwick, Deputy Director of Tommies National Centre for Miscarriage Research. Ari, Siobhan and I are going to discuss a new series on miscarriage which has been published in The Lancet. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is, what is care like for women having a miscarriage at the moment? And what were the issues that you identified in the series? So unfortunately, the care of people who are suffering miscarriages does vary a lot across the country and varies as to whether you first see a general practitioner or you're dealt with by a hospital. And the variation in practice does cause patients distress. And the major issue is the way people perceive miscarriage as something that doesn't matter. And our series really highlights how much it does matter, how much each miscarriage matters. So people used to think of miscarriage as something that either mattered because people had repeated miscarriages, which was defined as three or more miscarriage, or didn't matter because you only had one or two miscarriages. And our series has highlighted that this um, concept is very out of date. The reason for that is even one miscarriage is associated with significant mental health problems, Even one miscarriage does have a significant cost to the economy. And the other important thing is each miscarriage increases your chance of further miscarriage in a stepwise manner. There's no kind of cut off so that after three miscarriages, you're much more likely to miscarry again. So for each miscarriage you have, the chance of you miscarrying again increases by 10% in a stepwise manner. So the point of our series is to try and change perceptions of miscarriage from something that doesn't matter to something that each miscarriage matters and each miscarriage is something that that requires attention and treatment for the patient. But the amount of treatment and the amount of interventions also depends on the number of previous miscarriages. Thank you. And in the series, you also talk about uh, miscarriages in low and middle income countries. And you emphasise that probably most miscarriages are happening in low income countries, but the data is pretty sparse. Ari, what's the situation globally? I think the situation globally is a lot worse than what it is in the UK, Naomi. So in the UK, a patient who is having a miscarriage may be seen uh, in the A&E. And if you are fortunate enough to live near a dedicated early pregnancy unit, then they could be seen uh, in an EPU, early pregnancy unit, where they can get specialist help from uh, experts. Uh, but uh, elsewhere in the world, uh, dedicated services for women who suffer miscarriage isn't very common. So they may be seen in general uh, accident rooms where they wait for hours, they don't get uh, scans, they don't get the appropriate care. And not only that, as Siobhan said, there is uh, significant psychological consequences to miscarriage. And these are almost thoroughly unaddressed in the global setting. So there are women out there who suffer with uh, not just anxiety and depression, but even post-traumatic stress disorder. We know that up to one in five women could have PTSD at about nine weeks after miscarriage. And issues like that are thoroughly unappreciated uh, and unaddressed in the UK, but particularly so in the global setting. It's a very bleak picture. Thanks, Ari. So in the series, you say that about one in 10 women will have a miscarriage, but the majority of women who have a single miscarriage would go on to have a successful pregnancy. 
what are the recommendations for women with just one miscarriage, what you call a sporadic miscarriage? So, so the way we want doctors to change their perception is to think of each miscarriage as an opportunity to give excellent preconceptual counselling. So after each miscarriage, there are things that should be addressed. And the things that should be addressed is to get the patient in the optimum health for a future pregnancy. So that means to make sure they have the optimum body mass index, to make sure they're not smoking, and particularly to make sure any medical comorbidities are addressed. So particularly things like diabetes needs to be optimised, hypertension needs to be optimised, um, and to make sure they're taking their preconceptual folic acid. So even after one miscarriage, health needs to be optimised. It's a fantastic opportunity to have a healthcare intervention that would not only prevent miscarriage, it may prevent future obstetric complications and may also reduce their long-term risk of cardiovascular and stroke. One of the shocking things I think we found from our extensive literature research for this series was actually if you have repeated miscarriages, you are at increased risk of obstetric complications, including preterm birth, placental abruption and stillbirth and increased risk of long term health outcomes. Um, And so it really shows how important it is that these start to be addressed after the first miscarriage not when the damage is done to perhaps your cardiovascular system and, when, and, and not ending up with, with preterm birth with its uh, long-term risk of disability. And to add to that, I think it's really important to not to see miscarriage as an isolated physical event. Um, now, we've had an emphasis which is looking at miscarriage as an isolated event and perhaps only worrying about the risk of recurrence. You know, what's the chance of recurrence of a miscarriage in a future pregnancy? But we know that the risks of a miscarriage go well beyond recurrence. We know that even if they don't miscarry in a future pregnancy, as Siobhan said, the risks of preterm birth, growth restriction, stillbirth, these are all increased. So I think providing appropriate Uh, care, both preconception and during pregnancy and during childbirth. I think this is absolutely crucial. And I think this is one of the really key findings that we are keen to to put out to the the policy makers and to, to the clinicians that do not see miscarriage as an isolated event. It goes well beyond the, uh, the, uh, the, the physical event, it has serious implications uh, all around. And I think this is, this is important in terms of the care that we provide moving forward. For women that are pregnant and are experiencing early pregnancy bleeding, what are the options? Are there any treatments for miscarriage that the series could recommend? Thanks, Naomi. It is really important to appreciate that there are things that, that can be done to reduce the risk of miscarriage. Uh, miscarriage isn't one of those things that uh, you can't do anything about. Not every miscarriage is the result of there being a chromosomal or genetic problem in the babies. So there are things that can be done. And one of the exciting findings is that the hormone progesterone could reduce the risk of miscarriage and increase the chance of live birth in women who've had a previous miscarriage and who are now bleeding in the current pregnancy. So a key message is that seek care. There are things that can be done. Miscarriage isn't one of those things about which nothing can be done. That misconception has to be dispelled. There are interventions, there are steps that we can take to improve the prospects. A much smaller but still substantial number of women, in the series you say about 1% of women 
go on to have recurrent miscarriages. Could you describe the recommendations for women who have recurrent miscarriages, please? So, so basically, um, we really want to move away from the concept of recurrent miscarriage and move to this concept that we've named the graded care model. So the graded care model means that after each miscarriage, there is some care that you require. So one miscarriage is the preconceptual counselling we've already mentioned. After two miscarriages, we think you should have some limited investigations. So um, the ones that we think are evidence-based are testing for thyroid uh, dysfunction, which is a very cheap test, also checking for anemia. The Previous argument in this area is that it's not cost effective to do investigations after two miscarriages um, and that was a waste of health service money. I think our series undoubtedly shows that that's not a a good argument. It does not cost a lot of money to do a full blood count and a thyroid function test. Um, Our economic analysis has suggested that miscarriage costs the health service £470 million a year. Um, And so it is something that's costing the health service a lot at the moment. Then, after three miscarriages, we found some more investigations that are evidence-based. So that's testing for antiphospholipid syndrome and uterine anomalies with a 3D ultrasound scan. Um, After more than that miscarriages, we do recommend considering being part of research projects because there are still as yet unfound causes of repeated miscarriages and there are ongoing research programmes that people can be referred to in the UK. And to add to that, the the cost of £470 million uh, is just for a year and just for the UK. And that is just the immediate costs of miscarriage. Uh, So miscarriage isn't cost-free. So when we look at the cost of providing care, I think we need to also bear in mind miscarriage itself costs a lot. And I think any service that we provide uh, isn't going to as much um, as the actual cost of miscarriage. Now, if you were to factor in the long-term costs, it would be a lot more than half a billion. We think it would be closer to a billion per year just for the UK. Uh, So I think it's really important to maintain uh, a balanced perspective. Now, for much of the recommendations that we are making, there isn't the need for huge levels of financial investment. I think a lot of changes that we are recommending could be achieved through a reorganization of care. So I think this is an opportunity for policymakers and the healthcare sector to 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 really grasp this opportunity and and to make um, the necessary changes that would uh, address this this huge problem. Thanks very much. I mean, as you've really clearly described, the series is a a complete change from the previous misconceptions that uh, miscarriage was inevitable, that it didn't matter, that we could just ask women to try again uh, and move away from this model of sporadic and recurrent miscarriage and you propose a a much more nuanced, uh, thoughtful approach to miscarriage. I just wondered, the series is a start, but really looking at many of the findings in the series, you yourselves draw attention to the lack of high quality epidemiology data, the, the lack of trial data, Why do you think miscarriage hasn't received the attention that it's due? And what would you like to see happening now? Ari, perhaps I could put that question to you, first of all. Thanks, Naomi. I mean, the shocking thing is that we don't even know how many miscarriages occur in the UK. Uh, uh, We don't count because it hasn't been important enough for us to, to count. 
Uh, we count stillbirths, we count all the other important pregnancy complications, but miscarriage has been one of those things that has been brushed under the carpet. And I think part of the reason is that miscarriage has been considered as one of those things that one couldn't do anything about. So, you know, what's the point of counting? Um, and perhaps there has also been the, the idea that miscarriage didn't have much of an implication in terms of future health risks and also future psychological consequences that we have now unearthed. Uh, people felt, you know, you had a miscarriage, um, you will get over it and you will then go on to have a, uh, a pregnancy and therefore you didn't have to worry so much about this. So we now think that it's really important that we quantify the burden of miscarriage in the UK and elsewhere in the world. We must count, we must document how many miscarriages take place so that we fully understand the burden of this condition and then we can start to make the right investments in terms of research and healthcare service provision so that we start to address the, the problem. And then there is a desperate need to try to understand many questions that are unresolved about miscarriages. So, for example, we know that black women are more likely to have miscarriage compared with white women. Why is that? Is, is it related to the social conditions? We don't yet know why that is. Now, we need to understand why that is so that we can start to address that, um, that issue. We certainly need to know how to investigate miscarriage better. Uh, there are some causes, associations that we understand at the moment and we are able to test for, but there is a lot that we still need to understand, particularly in relation to the endometrium, the lining of the womb and how that interacts with the, with the embryo and supports um, a, a pregnancy. I think there is a lot to be unearthed uh, on that front. And then, of course, treatment. Uh, there are very few options at the moment, Naomi. I think we need to investigate uh, how we can uh, reduce the risk of miscarriage through new treatments. And the Tommy's National Center for Miscarriage Research is absolutely determined to try to find answers. Uh, but there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I'd like to add the point that, in fact, one of the things we found uh, with our literature review that pollution is associated with miscarriage. So the re one of the other reasons that this miscarriage rate that Ari's just explained to us is so important is it's an indication of pollution and also some uh, environments, um, so occupational environments, also associated with miscarriage. So we actually identified shift working was associated with miscarriage. So this is the sort of thing, so it implies that the environment you're in from the pollution, from your, your work life and your work stress also is associated with miscarriage. So it's actually an indicator of public health um, at a time when people are still relatively young and changing their environment could alter their long-term health outcomes. So it's a really a public health issue that we know miscarriage rates and it's we think that's one of the really important recommendations to come out of this series. And I think also we need to start to think about how we organise miscarriage care. Dedicated early pregnancy units are needed to provide expert care. We know that women who are bleeding need to have appropriate investigations, high quality ultrasound scanning so that a diagnosis can be made, appropriate treatment can be given. And then if sadly they miscarried, then they need to be given the right options in terms of management. 
And in the series, we identified that the options of expectant management, which is giving time for the miscarriage to resolve by itself, is important for some women. Surgery would be an option for some women, surgery to remove the pregnancy tissues from the womb. Now, we've shown that um, if it's surgery that the woman chooses, then uh, manual vacuum aspiration with cervical preparation is the best way forward there. And if women choose to have treatment with tablets, what we call medical management, then again, we have demonstrated that using a combination of uh, drugs, mifeprostone, which is an antiprogesterone, and misoprostol, which is a prostaglandin, is the best way to achieve uh, the completion of a miscarriage. So all of these are best delivered in a dedicated early pregnancy unit. Now, in the UK, we have many, but the coverage is very patchy. You know, there are uh, some areas that are well covered, but not others. And that variation has to be addressed. But globally, there is a huge problem. And I think expert care in the setting of an early pregnancy unit is, um, is a policy priority. Similarly, for those who've had the heartache of repeated miscarriages, I think the service uh, service has to be organized using the graded model that Siobhan uh, explained earlier on, and there need to be the appropriate clinics where such care can be provided. And thirdly, I think it's also important that antenatal care, preconception care, uh, are tuned into the risks that um, we have identified um, from virtue of a, uh, a woman having miscarriage. And I think the appropriate care, again, there needs to be, needs to be delivered. So there's a lot that needs to be done uh, to improve matters. Thank you so much. You've given us messages there for clinicians, for policymakers, for researchers. But I think more than just the recommendations in the series, which are, are fantastic, are helpful, are hopefully useful, you've also worked in the series to completely change the, the understanding and the misconceptions around miscarriages. And I think we all hope that this will be a real wake-up call uh, for all of us working in, in health research that miscarriage needs to be a much greater priority. So I'd just like to say thank you again. Thank you to Professor Ari Kumarasamy. Thank you to Professor Siobhan Quemby. It's been great having you on this podcast for The Lancet talking about your new series. And I hope that many people will go on and read the full papers. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, Siobhan. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Naomi.